The Dan Bongino Show. Get ready to hear the truth about America with your host, Dan Bongino. Hi, welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Producer Joe, how are you today? Well, as always, Dan, it's great to be here with you. Yeah, a lot to cover. Breaking news, breaking all over. Folks, I want to get to a couple things. Don't panic about the stock market. It, we've had a correction. I, I, you know, I, I've been covering mm. the, the the Trump Russia fairy tale and the Obama Gate spying scandal, and I'm going to continue to cover that today because there's been some, you know, incredible breaking news, just incredibly disturbing. Yeah. Um. But just a quick note on for those of you who are regular listeners for three years now. Joe and I do a lot of economics and stuff like that on this show because we enjoy it. I mean, mm-hmm. I was a finance guy in graduate school. I love it. It's my thing. Um, don't panic. There have been very low interest rates for a long time. Money's been very cheap. People were borrowing money. There have been a lot of margin calls made. People were borrowing money be- to basically chase yield in the stock market. There's going to be some profit taking. There's going to be some margin calls. I'll be honest with you. I wouldn't be surprised if there's a correction of another three, four thousand points over the next couple of months. Mm. Don't panic. I don't know if you know this, Joe, but after the 2003 Bush tax cuts, right? Similar scenario we're in mm-hmm. now. Big tax cut. Mm-hmm. This, the S&P dropped by nearly 5% over the coming months <sighs> and then recovered and grew 15% over I the months I thought I remember something like that. Yeah. 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 Everybody take a chill pill. Relax. There's going to be some profit taking. Don't panic. We're in, we're in better shape than we were under the Obama years, I assure you. I'm going to try to get into some of the details on that, why it matters and interest rates and stuff. I will at some point this week, but I've got a lot to get to. Just a couple quick announcements. For those who've been going to my website, Bongino.com, and looking for the articles, Forgive me. It's on. If you go to the website, it's pretty easy. When you get to the homepage, Bongino.com, it says, uh, you know, podcast. That it's under. Just click on podcast, and all the articles are there. It's under show notes. I keep calling them news picks. But on my email list, if you join my email list, not to confuse you, but I send them out as news picks. So that's why some of you said I'm looking for news picks on the website. That's if you're on my email list. If you go to my website, it's under podcast, and you'll see it under um, the show notes. So maybe we need to change that to news picks. So I'm sorry, and. Uh, Announcement for uh, y'all who've been asking me about what my next step was. I am uh, very proud to announce I have joined um, NRA TV. So I will be on every day at one o'clock Eastern time with Grant Stinchfield doing commentary. Please go to NRATV.com. Check it out. You're not going to want to miss it. It's also Facebook Live. Uh, we, do, we do a lot of great work over there. And we've got some more announcements coming on that in the future. So uh, check it out. NRATV.com. Yeah, well, thank you, brother. Yeah, I man. That. I put it on my Facebook yesterday. I got a lot of incredible feedback. All right. All right. Today's show brought to you by our buddies at My Patriot Supply. Sorry, Joe. I just like rudely cut you off. There. I could see you were going to say something. I was still <laughs> okay. going. My apologies. Well, I brought to you by my buddies at My Patriot Supply. Listen, as a former Secret Service guy, where all we did was prepare, prepare, prepare for things that, frankly, were highly unlikely to happen. I'm always surprised that people don't prepare for the likely event that one day there may be a strain in their food supply. We ensure everything that matters everything you ensure your car your home your teeth your you know your health everything that really matters to you, but very few people ensure their food supply. Folks, this is a small price to pay for peace of mind. If you go to preparewithdan.com, that's preparewithdan.com. Our friends at my Patriot Supply will send you an emergency supply of foods one month. That's it. I I have now I think I'm up to I don't know six to eight boxes of this stuff I buy it myself from uh, they they get preparewithdan.com hits from Dan. I'm the Dan in preparewithdan.com. <laughs> I buy my own stuff because I'm I'm genuinely concerned that one day, you know, something may happen and it's it's you know, it's not uh, you know, tin foil cap stuff to be worried about feeding your kids in the event of an emergency. 
It's just $99 for a one-month supply. Buy a few of them. Go to preparewithdan.com. That's preparewithdan.com. The stuff lasts for 25 years. That's 25 years of mental security that you have a food supply to feed yourself and your family in the event of emergency. Go to preparewithdan.com today and pick it up. That's preparewithdan.com today. Just $99. Okay. Um, Folks, yesterday was a really troubling day because there was... Information that broke in the Obama spying scandal on the Trump team that blows the doors wide open. And I, I, I'm I'm in a delicate balancing act here because what I'm trying not to do is what I've seen, sadly, some others do in this movement who are seemingly more obsessed with who gets credit for breaking information than actually breaking the story wide open. Yeah. Um, again, I can't say enough. I think we have very fairly credited some really terrific people out there doing great work. Um, just go to the show notes. Andy McCarthy. Uh, Byron York and others, Sarah Carter. Um, but I, I don't want, and I, and I say that because I'm, I'm genuinely not trying to do any kind of, hey, look what we said and we did this and we did that. But I think it's important if you've been a listener to the podcast that a lot of the stuff that's happening, we told you was going to happen. Not because we're, you know, Joe and I are Inspector Clouseau, but because people have told us stuff and said, expect yeah. this, hint, hint. Now, what broke yesterday is vindication for us as well. We said to you a long time ago, Joe and I, during a show, I don't know, 6.30 or so, 6.31, number six, number 6.30, maybe right around there, that the critical piece of information in this entire case was the information superhighway. That's mm, what I've been mm-hmm. calling it. I just, sorry, I can't think of any more snappy of a name. And what do I mean by that? How was information on Donald Trump and his team getting from political people, Hillary Clinton and others running for office, into federal law enforcement's hands. Folks, this is a critical key question. This is the, the, this is what the whole case focuses on. How was it that a political campaign gathered information on their opponent that somehow made it into documents in law enforcement's hands that were used to swear on warrants to spy on them. Folks, if if we don't answer that question, we're living in a banana republic. How is what happened there, that information superhighway that we talk about all the time, how the information on this highway made it from the Hillary Clinton exit to the FBI exit? I'm doing a little visual for Joe. How Mm -hmm. did that happen? There are supposed to be firewalls there. Those firewalls are judges who, when an FBI agent gets up and swears to information given to them by a political campaign, Mm -hmm. those judges are supposed to say, where'd you get this stuff? Those firewalls were breached. The question I've been asking from the start, Joe, do you remember the episode about the information superhighway? Mm -hmm. How was it that there was an intermingling of political and law enforcement assets? Folks, I tweeted out this morning and I meant every single word of it. When I was a federal agent and a cop, no matter how bad of a mutt you were when Mm -hmm. I arrested you, I know this sounds weird. I even put it in a tweet. I know it sounds strange, weird. I felt bad for it. The folks we arrested. I did. I, I I don't know. What does that make me a wuss? I don't know. I don't care. I'm not really interested in people's opinion on my manliness, to be honest with you. But I did, Joe. I felt bad for them. When you put handcuffs on people, no matter yeah. how big of a dog they were, that look of genuine fear in their eyes that their freedom is lost was hard to see. It just was. I mean, some of them had kids and 
I mean, I remember this one guy. We 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 hit him at his house early in the morning. Not hit him physically. Yeah. I mean, we hit the we did the arrest early in the morning. It was about six thirty. And the guy had kids, and it was just tough to see. I mean, they know their life is over. Yep. I mean, he did some really bad things, folks, and I felt awful about it. You know, that that got in my head forever. Maybe that's why I'm a libertarian-leaning conservative. That's why maybe, maybe that's why government scares me so much. Maybe that's why what's happening now with this Obama spying scandal on the Trump team bothers me so much. Maybe that's why even some you know fake conservatives out there on Twitter have decided to make me a target. Maybe because our words are penetrating and we're over the target. I don't know. But folks, this is genuine. This is not me like shilling for listeners. Okay? We don't Joe and I are just fine. Believe me, we're fine. Yeah, we're, we're good. <laughs> More than fine. Mm-hmm. This is frightening stuff. There is never, ever supposed to be an information superhighway from a political campaign to law enforcement without intermediaries who are supposed to vet the information first. Judges, FBI agents, assistant United States attorneys, Joe, district attorneys who are yeah. supposed to say, what is, the mo- what is the motivation for this information? Ladies and gentlemen, let me be clear on one thing. It's not that the information is invalid. And I'm not even suggesting to you that because Hillary Clinton's campaign found information that it should never be used. I'm not I know that sounds weird here too. If Hillary Clinton's campaign had uncovered information that someone on the Trump team had murdered someone and it was legitimate, mm-hmm. folks, that infor- that that information is tragic and horrible and should absolutely find its way to law enforcement. But it should be done so with an understanding about how it was found so that the FBI, when determining the rigor and authenticity of it, understands that there is an actual power motive for someone to produce that information. The power motive is that person obtains power by getting elected while destroying their opponent. It doesn't mean the information's false. The problem with this case and the information superhighway is there was almost nothing done to verify the authenticity of the information, knowing the motive was to destroy the political opponent. How do I know that? Because Bill Prystep himself, the number two at the FBI, when asked about the dossier and the verification process, said it was, oh, in its infancy. The authentication. Joe, do you see what I'm saying? The number two in counterintel at the FBI has acknowledged on the record that the verification of the information superhighway from the Clintons to the FBI was in its infancy. Mm -hmm. Folks, you don't need to have a command of the of the of of, of, of the English language. You don't need to have, you know, an English degree to understand that in its infancy means it barely started. Right. But it was used. You have Andy McCabe saying the information, it the number two at the FBI, the information in that document. If that information didn't exist, there would have been no warrant to spy on the Trump team. Meaning it was a central component of their affidavit to the judge. You have Jim Comey, the FBI director himself, Joe, in Trump's office on the record saying the information was salacious. Do you understand why I'm so concerned about an information superhighway between political campaigns and people who can put handcuffs on you? Do you, do you I mean, I, I know my audience gets it, but for the liberals listening, do you understand why this concerns us? These grotesque abuses of power? And by the way, one more thing here. 
just to quickly establish ideological bona fides with you. Mm. This is not new for me. Just look me up during my campaigns for political <laughs> office. Oh, yeah. Look at the speeches I gave on the Eastern Shore of Maryland running for Senate in 2012 when I spoke out against the Patriot Act and the business records provision in 702. This is not new. This is not new to me. The Patriot Act was signed by George W. Bush. I was running for office as a Republican and was attacking what I thought was going to be an abuse of power. So please spare me the nonsense. This is not about Obama. It's about what Obama did to abuse government and stopping it in the future. Now, sorry for that, but I think it's important we go back to the big principles. It is. It is. You need to repeat that. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, someone asked me why I don't ask you for commentary more. Folks, you know, Joe was never designed to be here for... <laughs> Joe's no. a sound engineer. I just like talking to Joe. He, I think they think you're like... It's like the Joe and Dan show. No, it's the Dan Which Bongino become, show. But it was, Joe's the producer. I just enjoy Joe talking yeah. to him because he's a great guy. Yeah. I'm sorry. I, you know, yeah, someone said to me, you need to get Joe involved in the show. But <laughs> Joe talks whenever he wants. That's the way this rolls. Yeah, All right, not a lighter note. But Thank seriously, you. getting back to this. We had established before that one of the information superhighways and the conduits to it was Nellie Orr. Nellie Orr, who was the wife of Bruce Orr. Now, we already know that, again, this is a, to be clear on what we're discussing, we're discussing how information got from the Clinton campaign and the DNC to law enforcement without going through intermediaries first that would have appropriately vetted the information. The superhighway is the topic of conversation today, and I've got some damning news about it. The first lane of the superhighway was an associate deputy attorney general, Bruce Orr, who worked in the Justice Department at a management, upper management level, who had access to the same players involved in the surveillance of the Donald Trump team, whose wife was employed by Fusion GPS as all of the dossier information gathering was coming to fruition. There are allegations out there now that this may have been an effort by Fusion GPS, who was hired by Hillary to buy influence within the Justice Department. Mm. Hire this guy's wife. Wife passes information to husband. It gets around all these firewalls, makes its way to the FBI. That we discussed. That's information superhighway lane number one. What was exposed yesterday is possible lane number two is absolutely damning. Now, You may have to listen to this twice because this is going to be egg scrambling information for your brain. What was exposed yesterday in a uh, in a release in the Chuck Grassley in a Chuck Grassley memo with portions of it which were unredacted. Chuck Grassley uh, is on Senate Judiciary. I believe he's the chair. Grassley and their committee wrote a memo to the DNC, the Democrat National Committee, asking for information. And in that memo are some stunning revelations. Some of the revelations in that memo include the fact, and by the way, the memo will be up at Bongino.com. I will put the link and it will be in the show notes. If you subscribe to my email list, it will be there today. It'll be like a scribbed file. You'll see it. Read it. It's only two pages. It's redacted, but it's, it's damning. There's apparently some information out there, Joseph, that the, there was another superhighway, that the other superhighway were individuals in the State Department that were briefing Christopher Steele as he was putting the dossier together. Wait, wait, come again? 
Yeah. There were State Department. Now, you may say, well, where was the State Department getting the information from? This, this is, this is like no way. They were getting the information from a confidant of Hillary Clinton. Say what? Okay. Let me read. Let me walk you through this, folks. This is going to get a little bit confusing. All right. So Byron York had reported a couple of weeks ago, and I put this, this is articles in yesterday's show notes. That's, this is a quote from his piece. And I read this yesterday, but it's important. That Steele, Christopher Steele, was regarded by the State Department as credible between 2014 and 2016. Steele authored more than 100 reports on Russia and Ukraine. These were written for a private client, but shared widely within the State Department and sent up to John Kerry and Assistant Secretary of State Victoria Nuland, who was in charge of the response to the Ukraine crisis. Many of Steele's secret sources were the same sources who would supply information on Trump. Okay, pay attention here. The names matter. Victoria Nuland is being briefed along with the Secretary of State, John Kerry. They're being briefed by Christopher Steele, the same person who was throughout 2014 to 2016. So there's a relationship there. Okay. Steele is briefing them. Some of the same sources he's briefing them on Russia and Ukraine are the same sources he's using to brief them on Trump. Hmm. Who the hell are those sources? Here's where the story gets absolutely mind-blowing and fascinating. There's an allegation now that those sources were provided by Hillary Clinton confidants herself. Think about what I just, what I'm telling you here. Hillary Clinton connected people with an obvious political motive to destroy Trump. Our briefing Christopher Steele. Steele is briefing the State Department. The State Department is then passing the information to the FBI, who's briefing a federal, a, you know, a foreign intelligence court judge to spy on Trump. Folks, that is an absolutely astonishing revelation. And I have to tell you, I, I don't for the life of me, I cannot understand where the liberals and the civil rights activists are on this. If, the, if this, the, the, by the way, very little of this is even open for interpretation. There is interpretation as to how much of the dossier was briefed by Clinton people who briefed Steele, mm-hmm. but there's no, there's no disputing the fact that this actually, this information superhighway exists now. Where are the civil liberties advocates on this? Where are you? Where, I mean, folks, are we back to the J. Edgar Hoover days of developing files on politicians to intimidate them? And you're for this? Here's where the story gets crazy. There's a connection to what happened in Libya here. I'm not overgeneralizing. I'm not getting into anything exotic. I'm just trying to tell you what the connection is, folks, based on reporting that's already out there. If you want to make connections on your own, I'll give you the information. You're more than welcome to do so. I'm not comfortable making some of them, but I'm going to tell you some stuff that may be a little disturbing. The person getting briefed by Christopher Steele, who I just told you is Victoria Newland, who's an executive in the State Department. She's the assistant secretary of state, one of them. Victoria Newland is a Clinton acolyte. She has been tied at the hip to Hillary Clinton for a very long time. They share some of the same contacts. Victoria Newland 
was the chief of staff to the deputy secretary of state in the Bill Clinton presidency, a guy by the name of Strobe Talbot. Mm -hmm. Strobe Talbot's brother-in-law is a guy named Cody Shear. So, Victoria Newland and Shear are familiar with each other through Strobe Talbot, who was Bill Clinton's deputy secretary of state. Cody Shear, remember, folks, remember the names. Okay. Cody Shear, and I will put a 2015, this is the great part about our news picks in our show notes, a 2015 National Review article I will put up in the show notes today by, was it Brendan Bordelin? Who I've seen on, I think, uh, I don't know him very well, but it's a good piece. It's from 2015. It's an article about Cody Shear. Who's Cody Shear and why should he matter? Remember, we're talking about how information made it from political operatives to law enforcement laundered as my co-author of the upcoming book we have coming out. Matt Palumbo calls it. It's not money laundering. It's information laundering. Mm. How they're laundering information through credible Mm. sources to make people believe it's not political. Mm -hmm. Who in the case are they laundering it through now? The State Department and Christopher Steele. You may say, well, Steele was political. He was being paid by Fusion GPS. Yes, but he was a former British spy. It gave this information an air of of, of nonpartisan, gave it like like it was principled. Like, oh, this guy was a former spy. Of course he wouldn't lie. That's not where it came from. Going back to Cody Shear. There's a 2015 piece in National Review, again, I'll put in the show notes, that describes Cody Shear's relationship with one Sid Blumenthal. Who's Sid Blumenthal? Sid Blumenthal, otherwise known as Sid Vicious, is Hillary Clinton and Bill Clinton's enforcer. This is a guy who has operated on the outskirts of questionable moral and ethical activities for a very long time. He's vicious. He's earned the name Sid Vicious, and he's acted on behalf of the Clintons and with the Clintons for a long time. Blumenthal was so disliked, even amongst Democrats, that when Hillary was when Hillary was uh, appointed Secretary of State and confirmed uh, by the Obama administration and the Senate, she asked that Blumenthal be given a job. And even Barack Obama said, eh, "No thanks." Wow. Mm-hmm. That's how much Sid Vicious was hated, even in Democratic circles, folks. Don't lose me here. This is important. We're still good. Sid Blumenthal's researcher, briefer, partner in his activities is Cody Shear. So Blumenthal is a Clinton henchman. He's the one who goes out there and puts stories in the media and does, you know, gathers information in air quotes, information for the Clintons they need. In this 2015 National Review article, there are some stunning revelations that what happened in Libya prior to the Benghazi situation, Sid Blumenthal is over getting briefed by people in Libya while Blumenthal's working as a consultant for a company that would basically benefit from war and chaos in Libya. Hmm. They are, I don't, I don't want to name the name of the company. You can read it in a piece because I'm, I'm, I'm just know this war and chaos. Sid Blumenthal's company would have benefited significantly from it. 
Blumenthal is sending emails to Hillary Clinton about the situation in Libya. Now, is the information accurate? Again, I, I'm not sure. All I'm telling you is Blumenthal benefits from the information if it causes military intervention in Libya, where Benghazi is located. If we can get weapons and arms over there, the company he's working for, this will benefit their operation. Who's producing the briefs for Blumenthal he's giving to Hillary Clinton? Cody Shear. Cody Shear is deeply embedded in producing briefing documents and, quote, intelligence for Sid Blumenthal to give to Hillary Clinton. Don't lose me here. Shear's information now, if you read the Grassley letter, it's fascinating who they ask for communications from. The Grassley letter, which again will be in the show notes. It's not hard to read. Make sure you read the last portion of it. They lay out some bullets. I think there's like 8 to 12 or whatever it may be, Joe. And in the last portion, Grassley demands to see communications between the DNC and he lists a series of names. Who's one of the names in there? Cody Shear. Mm. Now, folks, is it possible that Cody Shear, working on behalf of the Clintons and Blumenthal, is the source of this dossier the entire time? Now, you may say, well, why? that's a big leap, Dan, right? Now you're saying that what? The dossier was produced by Clinton confidants and given to Steele. We already know Steele's briefing the State Department. We already know there are relationships from people at the State Department with Shear. We know Shear has briefed Clinton in the past through Sid Blumenthal. Mm-hmm. Now you may say, okay, well, those are independent. Folks, remember, criminal cases and other cases are made on coincidence, right? Mm. If Joe's at the scene of a murder with the knife in his hands and I didn't see it, I don't know we murdered the guy. All I know is there's knife holes and Joe's got a bloody knife in his hand. Is it a coincidence? Are all of these coincidences? I'm going to produce some more evidence that who knows? We'll see. You can put two and two together. Okay. Uh, Let's see. Here we go on. All right. From the Daily Mail, piece by David Martosco. This is just, uh, was this yesterday? Buried in the, this is a quote from the piece. Buried in the referral. They're talking about the Grassley referral here, Joe. Buried in the referral is the revelation that Steele's second memo. In other words, he writes a second memo. There's not just one dossier. Was based on information from a foreign source who sent it to him through an unnamed Clinton confidant. (laughs) Who was that? And an Obama State Department official. The Guardian reported last week that Steele gave the result to the FBI in October of 2016. Steele gave information to the FBI provided by a, a what? Let's quote that again. A Clinton confidant and an Obama State Department official. Let me read to you something else. Victoria Newland has an interesting, uh, interesting past here. Let me read you a, a, a little snippet from a piece I read uh, yesterday in the show. President mm-hmm. Obama has announced plans to promote State Department spokeswoman Victoria Nuland. Nuland has been accused by Republicans of helping mislead the public about the attacks that killed four Americans in Benghazi. Ha! Huh? Why? 
Why would they? So Shear is in Libya. Shear's partner here, Blumenthal, who's a Clinton confidant, are writing memos. Memos that, you know, talk about chaos in Libya that Blumenthal would benefit from because of his company. Newland is at the State Department. Newland and Clinton go way back. Newland was the chief of staff for Clinton's deputy secretary of state. Oh, who, by the way, was Cody Sears' brother-in-law? Holy crikeys. That's just crazy how all this happens. Oh, man. Benghazi turns into a total mess. Newland covers it up with nonsensical talking points. Shear is providing information that 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 would have clearly benefited his group financially if, if chaos ensues in Benghazi and Libya, which it did later. These talking points get to steal from a Clinton confidant and a State Department official who there's an established relationship. And we already know Newland is working with Steele in the past because it's already been reported. Folks, if you listen to the earlier episodes, I suggested to you that anyone who attempts to tie this up in a neat little bow will be disappointed. Yeah. Because that's how I can always tell a conspiracy theory, by the way, when there's a neat answer to it. Because my experience in government is that people are too stupid to pull things off and neatly package them up in a bow. They are. I'm sorry. They are. You may say, well, Dan, you're talking about a big conspiracy theory. How can they be so stupid? Again, they got caught. This is why we're talking about it. They're too dumb to figure it out. (laughs) That's my whole point. This was so poorly designed, this spying operation on Trump, that this is my point. People are too dumb to cover it up. Folks, this is not going to be tied up neatly. There are a lot of players. This is my point on this, because I I may lose you here. My point on this is there were so many dirty players in the Obama administration that had so much to cover up. Promotion of chaos in Libya that led to possibly the death of Americans. Uranium One deals that were never brought up in front of CFIUS as we sold uranium to the Russians. An Iran deal, a corrupt Iran deal, cash payments being made. There was so much that needed to be covered up by so many. My point is this. Don't ever forget this. Everybody put their professional credibility, everybody involved in this scam, the spying scandal on Trump, put their professional credibility on the line to dirty up Trump because they all had something to lose. Newland covering up the Benghazi talking points. Shear producing briefings on Libya. Then and later on we had a terror attack in Benghazi. Everybody had tracks to cover. If Donald Trump was elected, he was never going to play by the rules. Do you understand what I'm telling you? Donald Trump was the most disruptive political candidate in modern political history. I said to you during yesterday's show that there is a real swamp, even in conservative activism and commentary. Gosh, just go on Twitter and look at all the fake conservatives who come after me all the time. Yeah. Uh, it's not a pity story, folks. I, don't, I live in Palm City, Florida. I really, like, outside of some Twitter wars, it affects me little to none, except for it wastes some of my time. <laughs> the standard Republican candidate, Joe, would have done what? They would have gotten elected and say it was President Joey Bag of Donuts, Senator from whatever. I don't want to impugn anybody's reputation. Mm-hmm. He gets elected if he beats Hillary Clinton or she, whoever it may be. 
And they do what every swamp rat Republican has done in the past. Oh, it's all over, folks. Let's let Mm -hmm. these people go. It's no big deal. Because why? They don't want to upset the media. They don't want to upset the apple cart. And they certainly don't want to upset the deep state. The Obama team understood the entire time Benghazi. The IRS scandal, uranium one, the Uranium One deal, the Iran deal. Folks, these are things that actually happen. They're not conspiracy theories. There are dead bodies in Benghazi. This happened. Mm-hmm. The Obama administration, there are multiple players who had something to lose here. They all had a stake in ruining their professional reputations to make sure Trump never, this never saw daylight. Because I'm getting a lot of questions like uh, the, the motivation for today's show, just so you're clear. Well, there's a lot of them. But one of the emails I got yesterday, and I feel like maybe I did you with the services. Some of the people said, well, why Carter Page? I don't understand if they were going to go after the Trump team. You know, why Carter Page later on? Folks. Do you understand what, what I'm telling you that there were multiple levels of the Obama administration and Hillary Clinton people in power and government that had been engaged in questionably corrupt activities for so long that they all had a stake in making sure the Trump team went down. So why Carter Page? Because they had nothing else. Do you understand they had nothing else? If Russian collusion had existed, there would be a FISA warrant against Donald Trump or Donald Trump Jr., but there's not. The only thing they had was a guy named Carter Page who had worked for the, for the FBI in the past. Folks, it's a look up the case yourself. U.S. versus Buryakov who had worked as an informant for the FBI in the past to nail a Russian spy. They turned on him. He was the only thing. They, they had nothing else. What else were they going to do? The dossier, Why Carter Page? Let me explain it simply. The dossier, if you've read it, is 30 plus pages laden with Carter Page information. It was the only thing in the fake dossier they could use. They had nothing else. Nothing. Joe, is this making sense? Yeah, and there's really, there's nothing more to it than that. They had nothing else. They had nothing else. else. Read the dossier. An overwhelming portion of the dossier is about Carter Page. And it's fake. Mm. They didn't have anything else. Folks, put yourselves for a second in their shoes. Multiple layers of the Obama administration bureaucracy and their political appointees are knee-deep and, at a minimum, questionably corrupt activities. The IRS scandal, Benghazi, the approval of the Uranium One deal. They lose the primary, and I say they, I mean the swamp, to Donald Trump, because they all lost. They're now like, holy crap, if one of these other Republican nominees would have got elected, what would have happened is what would have happened always. It would have just went away. We'd be okay. Right. Now you have this major league tier one disruptor in there who doesn't get, doesn't need money, doesn't need donors, doesn't need anything, and has absolutely committed in debates to taking Hillary Clinton down. They're panicked. They need to dirty this guy up. But folks, they can't blatantly lie to the court 
to surveil on him, the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Corps, without some legal patina of cover. They need something that fakes it, something that at least looks. They can't just walk in and go, hey, judge, we want to spy on Donald Trump. Why? Because we don't like him. Someone gets the idea. Hey, didn't that Carter Page work with the FBI? Hey, I've got an idea. If we produce a dossier, pay attention here. If we produce a dossier and a second dossier, but we do it through a, quote, British spy, but we feed him the information from the Hillary campaign, Hillary's people in confidence feed this British spy. It'll look official. By the way, did you know this British spy had worked with the FBI before? So he probably has contacts. <gasps> that would be crazy. So how about we spoon feed him information on foreign briefing information about Donald Trump from the Russians? Remember Brian York's piece? Steals same sources on Ukraine, Russia with the same sources on Trump. All of a sudden, that information makes it to Steele. Steele presents it to the FBI as his own. The FBI says, we've worked with this guy before. He's credible. And if you listen to yesterday's show, what did I tell you? There is no vicarious credibility. Steele did not see any of this himself. The FBI's big mistake was assuming Steele saying he heard it and Steele was credible means information is credible. There is no such thing as vicarious credibility. Steele cannot vouch for someone else. He cannot. Listen to yesterday's show if you missed that. It's a critical piece. Andy McCarthy discussed it. It's in my show notes for yesterday. There is no such thing as vicarious credibility. The FBI's mistake was not, was, and I'm not willing to say this yet, but there are only two possible solutions here. The FBI's mistake was either ignoring, knowing that the information was given to Steele from politically motivated sources, or not knowing and not verifying their asset. All right, folks, I have more on this. I've gone kind of long, but I do have to get to some of these reasons. This is, don't go, there's so much here. I'm just, my, my apologies. I'm just very passionate about some of the connections we're uncovering and they are very, very disturbing. I got more. Today's show also brought to you by buddies at iTarget. Folks, iTarget is one of the best uh, systems for proving your marksmanship out there. Listen, anybody can fire a firearm, okay? The question is, can you fire it accurately? I was in the Secret Service for years. We used to shoot monthly. But listen, the range is expensive. It costs a lot of money. You got to buy ammunition. You got to clean your weapon. You got to get there. And I'm not suggesting you shouldn't go to the range, but it's tough to get to every day, okay? You want to practice in the safety and security of your own home. This is the best system out there to do it. The website is the letter I, itargetpro.com. That's itargetpro.com. It allows you to dry fire, but take your dry fire practice to the next level. Side alignment, your grip, equal light on both sides. All of that stuff is absolutely critical. How do you do it? Here's how the system works. They will send you, when you purchase the product, a laser bullet you drop in the firearm you have now. Of course, safely unload it, check, check twice, check three times, look, feel inside the chamber, make sure it's empty. You drop this laser bullet in. They send you a target. Comes with a phone app. This is very easy to use. And when you depress the trigger on your firearm with the laser bullet in there, it's not going to hurt or damage your gun as a rubber backstop. It emits a laser onto the target. You see exactly where that round would have went. You watch your groups from from Monday to Friday. If you practice with this thing, you are going to be shooting the wings off a firefly. This thing is amazing. You will see, you know, dry firing when you're when you're drying an unlo- when you're dry firing an unloaded weapon. You have no idea where the rounds would have won. Obviously, if you safely unloaded it, there's no rounds in there. Thank God. Hmm. But with the laser bullet that I target, the iTarget Pro system will send you. 
it'll show you exactly on that target where the rounds go. People send me their scores and they go from like basketballs to grapefruits to golf balls by the end of the week. That's how tight the groups are. Give it a shot. Go to itargetpro.com. That's the letter I, targetpro.com. itargetpro.com. Use promo code Dan for 10% off. Send me your scores. I'd love to see them. People love this product. They can't put it down. I got a friend who's uh sends me emails there who is, is disabled and he can't get out of his house to get to the range. And he says he can't put the thing down. So go check it out, itargetpro.com. And Dan, I want to let our listeners know that no insects were harmed or injured during the making during of this the commercial. During the production of this commercial. Thank you, Joe. That is important to know. The animal rights activists make, we did not actually, neither Joe nor I shoot right. the wings off a firefly, nor did we test on them in the, in the process of recording that. Thank you, Joe. That's really well. important. Hey, um, also, if you didn't, if you didn't catch yesterday's piece, it's funny. You didn't catch yesterday's piece by Daniel Greenfield, which is in yesterday's show notes. I'll put it again in today's uh, notes. There is an interesting line he has in there when he, and and it harks back to what we're discussing on today's show. Remember, the overall theme of today's show has been the information superhighway. How is it? That political information made it into the hands of law enforcement, bypassing all of the obstacles that we set up in this country so politicians can't target their enemies. I suggested to you that first avenue was Bruce Orr at the Justice Department, whose wife worked for Fusion GPS, who was hired by Hillary to get information on Trump. This entire show has been about this second superhighway, which are established relationships between Cody Shear. Victoria Newland at the State Department, Victoria Newland and John Kerry getting briefs from Christopher Steele, Christopher Steele getting information from a quote, Clinton confidant, that Clinton confidant is likely going to be Cody, uh, Cody Shear or Sid Blumenthal. Folks, they were creating the dossier. Do you know how damning that is? We've been operating the entire time and I, I will, from some of my beefs with them lately unnecessary by the way but um i will give a uh, credit to um the guys at the conservative treehouse because a while back what uh, they did some one of them wrote a piece that someone sent me a little while ago where they had suspected a while ago i don't know what sourcing they have or they don't but had suggested that the, the dossier may have been under the control of the clintons the whole time so they must have had a pretty decent source on that because that certainly appears to be the case now that this dossier, we've been operating under the premise the whole time, Joe, that this was a, a independently produced document by mm-hmm. Christopher Steele. Yeah. Not independent of a financial motive. Hillary's paying Fusion GPS for Steele right. to go gather bad stuff. But we've been at least under the premise this guy was a legitimate former MI6 guy who had sources. Okay. Now we're finding out that the entire time the dossier may have been a product of Hillary Clinton's intelligence? Folks, this is really absolutely um, stunning stuff. Now- one of the getting back to the Greenfield piece, the opening paragraph of his piece in front page mag about this this soft coup going on here is stunning. And he's absolutely right. He said, you know, the competing narratives Remember, we discussed yesterday that you can't have it both ways, by the mm-hmm. way, that Democrats in one case wanted you to believe on Friday before the release of the memo. This was going to jeopardize national security. And then by Saturday, they were telling everybody there's nothing to see here is a big dud. Greenfield says, no, they weren't. They, they were right, Joe. The Democrats, their their assertions that this was going to hurt our sources and methods, in other words, the intelligence sources and methods if we released it, mm-hmm. Greenfield's premises, they were absolutely right. They just weren't telling you who those sources and methods were. <laughs> That's right. It was going to expose Obama's sources and methods 
for using the police state to attack their political opponents. And those sources and methods were the Hillary Clinton campaign and their consigliaries out there gathering information on Donald Trump. Jeez. Folks, do you understand how damaging this is? Gosh. Now, were you following me, Joe? Yeah, I followed you all the way on that. Yeah, that's why I'm shaking my head like I am. Just to reestablish here Mm. some relationships and the connectivity of people. Victoria Newland at the State Department, Assistant Secretary of State, is getting briefings from Christopher Steele, who's being paid by the Clinton campaign to gin up information on Trump, which he gets from Russian sources, supposedly, and it's fake. They need the information to get to the FBI. The FBI will not be able to take information directly from the Hillary campaign. We now know that Steele is getting briefings from Clinton, quote, confidants. I'm telling you that there are connections here as well. Newland works for Strobe Talbot, the deputy secretary of state under Bill Clinton, whose brother-in-law is Cody Shear, who is briefing Sid Blumenthal, who is Clinton's best buddy and henchman, who's used to providing briefings about Libya in the past. Newland... Obviously, Benghazi happens. This is, uh, Folks, I'm trying to set this up that everybody has an interest in making this story go away. Newland drafted up some of the talking points on Benghazi afterwards. Now, here's where the story gets really interesting. Hold on. I got to read to you a piece here. This is where it gets fascinating. By the way, Victoria Newland, as I said yesterday, leaves her position voluntarily when Donald Trump gets appointed. Gee, I wonder why that happened. Hmm. All right. I still haven't even gotten a clapper. Yeah. I know. I'll get to that in a second. Now, oh, here we go. Folks, again, in case you think I'm making this up and we're getting all tinfoil cap, piece from the Washington Post by Josh Rogan, who, by the way, is trying to rescue the FBI and their mismanagement of this case. He's not, he's not trying to indict the Clintons. But here's a piece from the Washington Post. From 2014 to 2016, Steele did send periodic reports containing his own intelligence and analysis of Russia and Ukraine to Kerry's State Department. Officials confirmed to me. This is Rogan talk from the Washington Post. The connection was through State Department official Jonathan Weiner, who was the U.S. Special Envoy for Libya from 2013 to 2016. Get a load of this. You want to really cook your ass? This is over easy, fellas and ladies. <laughs> Weiner had a prior friendship with Steele and passed on Steele's analysis as a courtesy to the State Department's Europe Bureau, led at the time by Assistant Secretary Victoria Newland. The State Department received approximately one steel report a month. A couple dozen in total, officials said. Let's see who Jonathan Weiner is. Jonathan Weiner, from a speech he gave at a conference, lawyer, consultant, and diplomat from Maryland. Jonathan Weiner is a lawyer, consultant, and diplomat who served as the State Department's first deputy assistant secretary for international law enforcement from 1994 to 1999 during the... Uh, uh, uh. Clinton administration and until January 2017 as the U.S. Special Envoy for Libya in the Obama administration. Why? Come again. So Weiner, who, by the way, the Washington Post is already acknowledging 
already acknowledging, sent information on to the FBI, is tight with Victoria Nuland, who prepared the Benghazi talking points. Oh, well, Weiner was the special envoy to Libya? Dude. And Weiner's got a friendship with Steele, who's being briefed by Hillary Clinton people? Folks, is this, I mean, is your mind, is your brain now officially upside down? If this is confusing to you, listen again. Because there's, if I unconfuse it for you, we're getting into conspiracy theory stuff. Remember what I told you. When when government people are really, some of them, I'm, I'm not knocking the rank and file workers, please. I was a Secret Service agent. I love them. There are a lot of dopes in government. Government is not organized in a way smart enough or effective enough to keep secrets. There were so many people with so many fingers in this that had so many reasons to make Trump go away that they all forfeited their professional reputations to do so. Here, from the Washington Post. Kerry didn't hear Steele's name in connection with Trump until late 2016, another former senior State Department official said. This is from the Washington Post. In late September or early October, this is unbelievable, Weiner prepared a two-page summary of information compiled from the series of Steele memos on Trump-Russia in connections commonly referred to as the dossier. Weiner's two-page summary was briefed to Kerry in early autumn, the official said. By that time, Kerry's staff had determined that the dossier was already in the FBI's possession. As such, Kerry took no action, according to the official. Folks, that's the Washington Post. Insisting that Kerry took no such action as Weiner prepared this brief about Trump Russia. Guys, come on. Are you? They're already acknowledging there was an exchange of information between mm-hmm. the State Department and the FBI. Newland, the reason I bring this up is Newland, Newland won on a TV show this weekend and already said they gave the information to the FBI. So what is it? Is the Washington Post right that, oh, they were getting briefed by this guy, Weiner, by the way, who knew Steele, who was getting briefed by Hillary Clinton? That it didn't go to the FBI? Or is Newland right in her talk show appearance this weekend where they said that, oh, we got the information and we passed it on to the FBI because basically we didn't know what to do with it? Do you understand how they're stepping on their own lies again? Mm-hmm. All right, folks. I, I got some more. The, I haven't even gotten to the more juicy parts of this. This is just so disturbing how many people were involved in this. I mean, all right. Uh, today's show brought to you by our buddies at Filter By. Folks, it's cold outside. Listen, really cold. Even Florida got cold on here. We're spending a lot of time indoors. New York was nine degrees. It was a, you know, the Super Bowl was up minus five. Winter's in full swing and your HVAC system's working overtime. You got to keep that thing working well. If you don't, you're going to blow it out. You're going to wind up spending tens of thousands of dollars in some cases to replace it. If you aren't properly maintaining your filters, you're not only breathing unhealthy air, you might just find yourself with no heat and thousands in repairs. But there's a better way. With FilterBuy.com, America's leading provider of HVAC filters for homes and small businesses. You got a small business with 100 filters in there? These are your guys. You got a house with one? FilterBuy.com are your guys. They carry over 600 different filter sizes, including custom options, all shipped free within 24 hours. Plus, they're manufactured right here in America. Nice job, FilterBuy. FilterBuy offers a multitude of MERV options all the way up to hospital grade. So you'll be removing dangerous pollen, mold, dust, and other allergy-aggravating pollution while maximizing the efficiency of your system. Right now, you can save 5% when you set up auto delivery, so you'll never need to think about air filters again. This is a great company, folks. Change those air filters. You want to be breathing all that junk. Save money, save time, breathe better with FilterBuy.com. That's FilterBuy.com. 
filterby.com. Thank you to everyone who supports our sponsors. It means a lot. Okay. Uh, I'm sorry, folks, if today's show was complicated, but it's absolutely critical you understand it. And I'm begging you to please read the 2015 article in National Review. It talks about, it's not that long, the relationship between Cody Shear and Sid Blumenthal. And just to sum up where we were, because I want to take this somewhere else for a second here. I'm reading my stuff here as we go along because it's so complicated. The essential premise we were talking about at the beginning of the show is what was the information superhighway between the Clintons, the Clinton team, and the FBI? The second question I have in all caps here that I want you to leave the show seriously pondering was the Steele dossier, which the FBI swore on in court to spy on the Trump team, was the Steele dossier really the Clinton dossier the entire time? If that's the case, you have an active political campaign that sabotaged their opponent by feeding information to law enforcement that was not properly vetted and that other team was spied on. Now, for those of you again asking, well, why Carter Page? Again, they had nothing else. The dossier was largely about Carter Page. Folks, if Russian collusion existed, it would have been in the dossier. It wasn't there. That's why Carter Page. They needed an in to spy on Trump. He's the only thing they had. That's it. They had nothing else. Does that part make sense? Yes. Joe, what do you think? Yeah, yeah, right with you. Exactly. Are the connections it's, it's just hard sense? to believe that, you know, that it's that simple reason. They have nothing else. They have nothing Folks else. I don't want to believe it. It's just too easy. And to steal the line from my co-author on our upcoming book, we're still, we're almost done, folks. This is all about information laundering. Right, right. They had to get information from a political campaign, the Hillary's campaign and the DNC, to the FBI without letting a federal judge know it was political. That's yeah. what this was about. Sheer, Blumenthal, brief State Department people, same State Department people getting briefed by Steele. Steele has a relationship with Weiner at the State Department. Weiner is over in Libya. Who's doing briefs on Libya? Cody Shear. Who's he feeding him to? Sid Blumenthal. Who profits from chaos in Libya? Sid Blumenthal. What's he emailing Hillary about? Chaos in Libya. What happens in Libya? Chaos. Benghazi breaks out. Oh, we got to make that go away. Victoria Nuland. Briefs up the talking points, the fake talking points about Libya. Victoria Nuland is getting briefed by Christopher Steele. Christopher Steele knows Wiener. Jonathan Weiner, excuse me. Wiener. There's another Anthony Wiener in this game. <laughs> Weiner. Victoria Nuland's getting briefed by Weiner. Weiner's briefing Kerry. Kerry's saying, we didn't pass it to the FBI. Nuland's on cable news this weekend saying, we passed it to the FBI. By the way, the Grassley memo, which you have to read, just so you understand the connection, because I understand you're saying, okay, Sheer and Blumenthal are briefing Clinton on Libya. The people in Libya are now getting information from Steele. State Department officials who deal with Libya from Steele. Benghazi breaks out. We got to cover this. We got to make this go away. Oh, I got an idea. We got this guy, Christopher Steele, who's putting together this dossier on Trump. Trump's going to expose everything that happened in the Obama administration. We all have our fingerprints in this. I got an idea. Let's use Shear's information on Trump in this second dossier. We'll give it to Steele. Tell Steele to put it in a dossier because he was a former British spy. It'll make it look authentic. He's worked with the FBI before, and then we'll give it to the FBI as genuine non-political information. Read the Grassley memo. Read the Grassley memo. 
the assertion in there that the Clinton campaign was feeding information through a Clinton confidant to Christopher Steele is absolutely damning. The Hillary Clinton campaign managed to make its way into federal court to spy on their opponent. By the way, what's one of the other names in the Grassley memo? Grassley's demanding communication in the memo between the DNC email traffic, between the DNC and these people. I told you Cody Shear is one of the names. Who's one of the other names right after Shear? Jonathan Weiner. Hmm. Folks, this thing is deep. It's complicated. It's also the most disturbing scandal in the United States history. Now, I want to wrap this up and I want to go back to Jim Clapper for a second. Now, the reason I want to do that, to be clear, again, the first portion of the show was about the information superhighway and was the Steele dossier, the Clinton dossier the entire time. Jim Clapper, during this scandal, is the director of the ODNI, the Office of Director of National Intelligence. He is the guy. Jim Clapper oversees the entire intelligence operation, uh, basically in the United States. Jim Clapper knows everything. Matter of fact, Jim Clapper, John Brennan, Obama, and Hillary may be the few people who really know the entire story. Well, Hillary maybe even didn't know the entire story. Seriously. I mean, she may she may have had a large majority of it, but Clapper on the intelligence front and on the spying operation on Trump, Clapper knows, Joe. Mm-hmm. We have been focusing on Clapper a lot on the show, in case you uh, are wondering why we keep using his sound bites, because Clapper knows everything. And if you notice, if you've been listening, and Joe's the audience on Budsman, Joe, so if this makes sense or doesn't, let us know. Mm-hmm. The sound bites we've been playing on Clapper, and I've been sending to you to produce for the audience here. Did you notice on all of them, if you've been listening to show 628 on, every soundbite is Jim Clapper always hedging? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I did, but no one told me. Um, maybe yeah. I do, but kind of. Maybe, sort of. Did you do this? Everything. Why is Clapper always hedging in his media appearances? He's hedging because Clapper knows all of this. Clapper's in a world of trouble. Clapper was the the head of the direct, he was the head of the Office of National Intelligence. He knows everything. Play soundbite for me, Joe, number one. This is a C-SPAN clip from May of 2017. Folks, it's a little over a minute, but please listen. And as you're listening to Jim Clapper talk about counterintelligence cases where they're spying on American citizens. Oh, Carter Page, maybe? Listen to all the caveats he puts in about what he knew, when he knew it, and how he just kind of passed the buck to the FBI. This is damning. Listen to it. Third is the issue of counterintelligence investigations conducted by the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Well, I can't and won't comment in this setting on any particular counterintelligence investigation, it's important to understand how such investigations fit into and relate to the intelligence community and at least the general practice I followed during my time as DNI with respect to FBI counterintelligence investigations. When the intelligence community obtains information suggesting that a U.S. person is acting on behalf of a foreign power, the standard procedure is to share that information with the lead investigatory body, which, of course, is the FBI. The Bureau then decides whether to look into that information and handles any ensuing investigation, if there is one. Given its sensitivity 
even the existence of a counterintelligence investigation is closely held, including at the highest levels. During my tenure as DNI, it was my practice to defer to the FBI director, both Director Mueller and then subsequently Director Comey, on whether, when, and to what extent they would inform me about such investigations. This stems from the unique position of the FBI, which straddles both intelligence and law enforcement. And as a consequence, I was not aware of the counterintelligence investigation Director Comey first referred to during his testimony before the House Permanent Select Committee for Intelligence on the 20th of March. And that comports with my public statements. Really? So you were the head of national intelligence under Barack Obama and you didn't know nothing about nothing? Kind of fascinating because he's out in front of the media all the time talking about how they had information on this dossier, which was the central component of this counterintelligence investigation. Oh, you don't believe me? Mm. So just to be clear, in May of 2017, he testifies in front of Congress saying, I passed it off to Comey and, you know, they discussed the when, the where, the why and the how. And if they want to tell me, they tell me. But I didn't know nothing, man. Fascinating. Play Jim uh, Clapper on October of 2017 talking to Aaron Burnett on CNN where a discussion of the dossier comes up. And his answers are even more fascinating. Just now refers to it as the fake dossier, which is why I wanted to make the point that some of it has been corroborated. But far from all of it. Do you think more or most of it is true or would we know that by now? Well, I I don't know that. Uh, uh, First, I I did want to comment on the uh, pedigree of the financing, the audit trail there. Uh, When we did our intelligence committee assessment, we were aware that the uh, there had been research done and that some Republican candidates, as a matter of fact, had contracted uh, through, I think, Fusion GPS to uh, obtain what it later became what's known as the dossier. So Clinton paid for part of it, but it had been started and, and was paid for by off, Republicans. That okay. work was, as I understand it, was handed off later to the, uh, to the DNC and, and, uh, or the, the Clinton campaign. So I think this is something that bears uh, an audit trail by uh, experts in... Uh, finances that can track uh, uh, the, the auditing for this and to see uh, who, who is ultimately responsible for it. I think with respect to the dossier itself, the key thing is it doesn't matter who paid for it. It's what, what the dossier said and the extent to which it was, it's, uh, it's corroborated or not. We had some concerns about it from the standpoint of its sourcing, which we couldn't corroborate. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, some of the substantive, some of the substantive content—not all of it—but some of the substantive content, content of the dossier, we were able to corroborate in our intelligence community assessment, which hmm. from other sources, in which we had very high confidence. So, level. when the president just refers to it as fake dossier, that is false. Uh, I I don't think that's that, that is the accurate characterization for the entirety of the dossier. <laughs> Wait, what? There is so much in there. <laughs> yeah. So he says at the end, this is fascinating, Joe. Yeah. We were able to corroborate portions of it from other sources. Who are those other sources? Were those sources Cody Shear? Jim, because in a clip two minutes earlier on my show, when you spoke in front of Congress, you said you didn't know nothing about nothing. Now, all of a sudden, you knew about the... Uh, the, the dossier. Matter of fact, your assessment was that it was research being conducted by the GOP that was passed off to the Democrats, as you understand it. I thought you didn't understand it. I thought you passed it off to Jim Comey. You may say, all right, I'm lost. Jim, Co- Jim Clapper's lost. Right, right. Clapper's yeah. lost because he's clearly trying to obfuscate here. 
Now he's trying to notice what he says, by the way. He says that at the at the last portion of that, he goes, well, the information was corroborated by another source. Was that source Cody Shear? Because if the source was Cody Shear, he was working for the Clinton campaign, was briefing Steele. So Steele, Shear briefs Steele on information that Steele produces the dossier. Then Clapper thinks that the information is verified because there's another dossier by Cody Shear, which was the briefing document used to produce the Steele dossier. Then he says something very telling. This is Jim Clapper constantly covering his butt. He goes, well, it doesn't really matter who paid for it. You think you may have said that because you were aware that it was paid for by the Clintons the entire time? (laughs) Folks, Clapper is the key to this whole thing. Clapper is the key to this whole thing because he's one of the few figures who understands the entire depth of the operation and what happened here. Clapper is desperate to make this go away and cover his butt. Watch his appearances. They are damning every single time. He steps on himself. He tells stories that contradict each other. I didn't know anything. I turned it over to the FBI. He says in the first hit. In the second uh, sound on tape clip there, what does he say in the second clip? Oh, well, we got the information initially from Republicans who prepared the dossier. Not true. The Republicans had nothing to do with the dossier at all. That was exclusively a Democrat project. The opposition research was paid for by uh, Republicans. But that stopped after Trump won the party. The dossier was exclusively a Democrat project. How did he know that? If he wasn't being briefed on what was going on, how did he know that? Oh, we go, from what I understand, everything's a caveat with this guy. It doesn't Mm -hmm. matter who paid for it. Why? Because the Clintons paid for it? The information was verified by another source. Who was that other source? Cody Shear? Working for Sid Blumenthal? Working for Hillary Clinton? Folks, these people are in a world of trouble. And this guy is the key to everything. All right, let me check the time here. Hey, all right, let me just hit one last thing here because this is important. Um, cool. On, on the stock market, because this is this is critical information and this is a rough time here. Folks, I said in the beginning of the show I'd address this quick, but don't panic. Here's what's been going on for a long time now. Interest rates by the Federal Reserve uh, have been suppressed through quantitative easing, the buying of assets using our Federal Reserve. Interest rates have been suppressed. What's, what is an interest rate? An interest rate is essentially the price of money. When money's cheap, like anything else, people are going to consume more of it. A lot of people have taken that money at low interest rates because they don't have to pay high interest rates, and they've purchased stocks chasing yield, chasing a return. Some of that borrowed money is in accounts and margin accounts that as stocks go down and decrease, people have to sell off in order to maintain a certain level of money in that margin account. You're going to see a correction over time. I would not worry about this too much. I think this is going to be... If 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 interest rates were going down, which they're not, they're going up. If interest rates were going down, the cost of money was going down and the stock market was going down too, I would be very worried because that would mean, Joe, think about it. People are offering you money very cheap and you're still not buying stocks. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Interest rates are going up. The cost of mm-hmm. money is going to go up a little bit. There's going to be a correction in the stock market. Stay focused on the long term. I mean, I'm not a financial advisor. I'm just saying the Trump tax cuts were a really good thing. If we can control government spending, I think we're on a good growth path. And I think the projected future earnings of these companies are going to be just fine. I wouldn't panic. I wouldn't get too uh, over crazy about this. There's going to be a correction. I wouldn't be surprised to see a little volatility over the next few months. But I think it has more to do with expected growth in the economy and interest rates going up 
than it does anything else at this point. There's been a lot of exuberance to steal a, you know, my, my favorite guy, Alan Greenspan word. There's been a lot of exuberance about stocks. There's going to be a correction and I wouldn't worry too much. I mean, as the cost of money goes up, it's going to get harder to acquire money and harder to purchase assets with it if you're borrowing it. So it's not really that unusual that you'd see some kind of a mild correction. So don't worry too much. Um, all right. I got. I know, folks, I'm sorry. I've, 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 there's so many other stories and things going on, but this is just such a critical case that I, I felt the need to really go into this today. That makes sense, Joe? Yeah, I, I was going to tell you, you, you needed to go in that direction. Yeah. And yeah, you have to understand, parts. Yeah. this information superhighway is everything in this case. How judicial restraint, how normal firewalls were breached during the mm-hmm. Obama administration to spy on the Trump team. All right, folks, thanks again for tuning in. Please go to Bongino.com. Sign up for my email list there. I really appreciate it. Make sure you read the show notes today. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. Get more of Dan online anytime at conservativereview.com. You can also get Dan's podcasts on iTunes or SoundCloud and follow Dan on Twitter 24-7 at DBongino.